Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for the privilege and the honor of being able to gather together. We don't take it lightly that you, uh, you bring us together to sit under the gospel. And we're thankful that you've allowed us to have a place where we can come and hear the gospel preached and proclaimed, and I can go forth from here. Lord, um, we love you. We thank you for your continued mercy and grace towards us all the time. Uh, we pray you give us grace and strength in our time of need. And Lord, we know that we can come boldly before thy throne only because of the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and him alone. Uh, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your goodness again. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn, if you would, to Genesis chapter 40. The name of the message is Unfolding of God's Sovereign Plan. The Unfolding of God's Sovereign Plan. Now, last week we finished Genesis chapter 40 during our study on the life of Joseph. And in that study we saw Pharaoh's butler, chief butler, and his chief baker had offended the the king of Egypt, which is Pharaoh, and they were thrown into the prison where Joseph was. And that prison was where the, those who had offended the kings were kept, or those who had offended the Pharaoh were kept. And we see that God's divine providence arranged for them to be put in the same prison as Joseph. We don't believe in chance. We don't believe in luck. We know that it's the providence of God. And Joseph was a prisoner in that prison. And then we saw that he'd been put in charge of all the prisoners in the prison. And again, this was all part of God's plan, all part of his purpose, to one day exalt Joseph to the position of prime minister over all of Egypt. And one, one night, as we saw last week, those two men, the chief butler and the chief baker, they each dreamed a dream. And they were both greatly disturbed. Joseph went into their cell, and they were sad, more sad than they normally were. Their countenance was down. They were greatly disturbed. And they did not understand what their dreams meant. And God in his sovereign providence and by the Holy Spirit of God gave Joseph the ability to interpret their dreams. And our sovereign God made sure those dreams came to pass just like Joseph interpreted them. And the chief butler found favor in Pharaoh's sight, we know that, and was restored to his former position. And the chief baker was hanged on a tree and the birds did eat his flesh from off his body just as Joseph said would occur. And again, we looked at how one received mercy and one received judgment. And we looked at how this also occurred at the cross, too. One thief received mercy and one thief received judgment, that which was due him. Now look at Genesis chapter 40, and we'll read verses verses 14 and 15, and see that Joseph asked the butler to remember him and to make mention of him to Pharaoh when he stood near him. Look at verses 14 and 15. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, And show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Now look at verse 23. Well, what happened? Well, the chief baker, look at 23 of the same chapter, Genesis 40, verse 23. And yet the chief butler remembered Joseph, or... And yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgave him. He forgot him. He just totally forgot about him. And Joseph had asked the chief butler, we saw there in verses 14 and 15, just to think upon him, just to remember him, just to show kindness, just make mention of me unto Pharaoh. That's all he asked. 
And we see that in verse 23, that the chief butler, he didn't remember. He just forgot. And again, remember, this is all falling out according to God's sovereign plan. Well, look how long it passed. Turn over to chapter 41 now. See, we read these narratives without the view. We read these narratives sometimes and we think, oh, it's just a short period of time. Joseph was 17 when he went into slavery. We will see when he stands before Pharaoh later on in our study, he's 30 years old. 30 years old. So how long had passed from when he told the butler his dream? Look at this in verse 1 of chapter 41. Here's the time span. Remember, I always say it came to pass. You've got to remember, that's time passing, right? And it came to pass at the end of two full years. Two years. Two full years. That Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. So we see in our text here in Genesis chapter 1, or Genesis chapter 41, verse 1, that two full years have passed. Two full years. Joseph's sitting in the prison. And this is just since the chief butler has been restored to his position. And again, always remember, as we go through this study, that this is arranged, planned, and purposed by our great God. He's sovereign. He's in control. And his timing is always perfect. It may not seem perfect in our eyes. Joseph's sitting in prison for two years. But God's timing, beloved, is always perfect. Always. Always. That's why the scripture tells us, wait on the Lord. Be still and know that I am God. Right? Just wait. It's hard for us to just wait. I know it's hard for me. It's hard for us just to wait. But that's what the scripture tells us. And we see here, Joseph waited for two years. He's in prison. He's probably thinking, well, he's never going to remember me again. And now this chapter is a very lengthy chapter, so it'll take us a few weeks to go through it. But just like before, dealing with the life of Joseph, we see God's sovereign hand demonstrated in such a way that any honest student of the Holy Scriptures will have to admit that God himself has orchestrated all this. There's no other way. There's no other way. God himself has orchestrated all these things for the purpose we'll see at the end of this chapter of exalting Joseph the prime minister over all of Egypt. Second in command. Second in, that means that even Potiphar, you ever think of that? Even Potiphar, who he served, is now under him. The jailer whom he served is now, will now be under him. Potiphar's wife will now be under him. See, we, we, we need to think about all this and how this... Now, and we're going to see that Joseph doesn't lash out at them. He doesn't. No. No, he doesn't at all. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I would pay. We, just, we need to just leave it in the Lord's hands, these things. And always remember, too, that in several places, Joseph is our picture of our great Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. He was taken from prison and from judgment, wasn't he? And when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth a son made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. In God's timing, Christ went to the cross and redeemed his people from their sins. 
Many times they wanted to take our Lord and kill him, but it wasn't the time. It wasn't the time. Being found in a fashion as a man, he, Christ Jesus, humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. He came to this earth on a mission to save his people from their sins. He redeemed them at Calvary's cross. Sinners. Sinners. He redeemed them at Calvary's cross. He cried, it is finished, which means the work is done. There's nothing for man to be added, nothing for us to add to that work. It's perfect. And he's risen. And he's now exalted in glory at the right hand of the Father. And he has a name above every name. And that, and that one day, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess. That's even people who shake their fist at God and hate him. They're going to bow to him. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess what? That Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. To the glory of God the Father. Oh my. So our great Savior, he rose from the grave. And our great God has exalted Jesus Christ, the God-man, to his sovereign throne in glory. And all power is given to him in heaven and in earth. And our blessed Redeemer gives eternal life to as many as God the Father hath given him. And all spiritual blessings are wrapped up in Christ. They're nowhere else. Nowhere else. Nowhere else. And only in Christ, only in Christ, all spiritual blessings are in him, and all those spiritual blessings come to hell-deserving sinners, because that's what we are. We who are saved, we're, we're hell-deserving sinners. We're no better than anybody else other than the grace of God. He's made us to differ, right? All spiritual blessings come to hell-deserving sinners from the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, our sovereign Lord and God, so that we who are the people of God, we receive mercy rather than judgment. Because again, that judgment that was due us fell upon Christ at Calvary's cross. And we must come to he who is the bread of life. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Only in him is eternal life. And God's heavenly Joseph, that's, that's who he is. He's God's heavenly Joseph. We'll see later on that Joseph, they, they all have to come to him to receive grain. That's just a picture of how we come to Christ and we receive all spiritual blessings in him. In order for them to live, they had to come to Joseph. We'll see that again. In order for us to live eternally, we must come to Christ. We must flee to him. He's the bread of life. And we receive the heavenly manna, which is Christ, from God's sovereign hand. And this is the only spiritual food that can satisfy your God-given hunger for righteousness. What, does, what did Christ say? We're to hunger and thirst after what? Righteousness. Who's our righteousness? The Lord Jesus Christ. He's the Lord our righteousness, beloved. So we're to hunger and thirst after him. After him. He's the true bread from heaven. Let's read Genesis chapter 41, verses 1 to 8. And it came to pass at the end of two full years, that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kind, and fat flesh fleshed, and, and they fed in the meadow. 
And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and the lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-flavored or favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke. And he slept and he dreamed the second time. And behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears. And Pharaoh awoke and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. And he sent and called for the magicians of Egypt and the wise and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. So these two dreams that Pharaoh's had, they've, they've, they've troubled his spirit. So much that he, he couldn't get them out of his mind. You ever woke up and the dream seemed so real and so vivid, but you don't remember it all? My, and he woke up in the morning and his spirit was troubled. He didn't understand them. He remembered the dreams, but he didn't understand them. Now, we know that God's timing is always perfect. Now, two years is a long time. Two years is a long time. My. And the chief butler had been restored to his position for two full years. And he'd been there with Pharaoh, and, and now the appointed time had come, beloved, for Joseph's deliverance. Now the appointed time had come for Joseph's deliverance from prison and his exaltation to his throne of power. It was now approaching. Again, in God's perfect timing. Joseph probably hoped that, that the, the butler would go right up to Pharaoh and say, oh, I met this Hebrew man, this young man. He's, right? That's what he probably was hoping, because that's what he even said. He said, please, when you talk to Pharaoh, tell him about me. But he was forgotten. All according to God's plan and purpose. And watch in amazement, though, here. Watch in amazement that, that all this is orchestrated. As we read through these chapters, watch in amazement, knowing that all this is orchestrated by our great God. It's all orchestrated by him. I remember Norm said that, uh, that um, God is the director Christ is the star, and we're all just a bunch of props. <laughs> it's amazing. It's incredible. The Lord is orchestrating all this. It's all, it's all about him. It's all about the Father. God's going to glorify himself through, through what Joseph goes through here. Watch this. God's going to glorify himself through what Joseph goes through here. All orchestrated by God. He it is, and remember, it's he who has caused Pharaoh's troubled spirit. It's he who, who caused the butler and the baker to have those dreams in prison. It's he who orchestrated all that. It's he who's orchestrated these dreams of Pharaoh. And again, he had no idea what they meant, but watch as we go through the text and we see Joseph was the ordained instrument chosen by God to give the, right, the full and right interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. Both dreams. And we see by, by the sovereign hand of God that Joseph, in being able to interpret Pharaoh's dreams, that here finds such favor in the eyes of Pharaoh that he's going to 
He's going to vault him up to prime minister over all of Egypt. Over all of Egypt. And where is he going to be vaulted up to? To exactly the position that God had ordained for him to be in. That's exactly where God had wanted to put him. And it's all by God's sovereign hand. And always remember that Jesus Christ, our great creator, came to this earth. The Lord Jesus Christ wasn't just a mere man. He was God incarnate in the flesh, sent by the Father. Sent by the Father to this earth to do the Father's will. We saw that in last, last week's Sunday morning message. He came to save his people from their sins. He came to glorify the Father in his life and in his death. And in doing so, the word of God, the word of God, the second person of the Trinity, became flesh and dwelt among us. Became flesh, came here to this earth to save his people from their sins. And he glorified God. He glorified God in his life, and he glorified God in his death. Living as our substitute and dying as our substitute. John said this, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Full. Absolutely full of grace and truth. The perfect, sinless, spotless man. No sin in him at all. And Joseph was a type of Christ, as he was the only one who could interpret Pharaoh's dreams. He's our great God. And it's our great God who, who made sure that all of Pharaoh's magicians and wise men were absolutely clueless as to the meaning of these two dreams. It's God who caused that. Look at verse 8. It came to pass in the morning that he was troubled, or that his spirit was troubled, and he spent, or he sent, I'm sorry, I'm having trouble speaking today, sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof, and Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. None. None. Robert Hawker says this, magicians so-called because they are considered to be wise men, by, and, and, but we know by the, Scripture says, by the wisdom, the world by wisdom knew not God, nor ever will, nor ever will. These men were clueless as to who God was. They couldn't interpret this dream. And think upon this, our Lord Jesus Christ is the only one who can reveal the full meaning of the Old Testament prophecies concerning himself. He's the only one. The only way we know that Christ is in the Old Testament is because the Holy Spirit has revealed it to us. And Christ sent him, didn't he? To be our comforter. To reveal Christ. To guide us into all truth. And who is the truth? The Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, he talked to the two on the road to Aramaeus and beginning at Moses and all the prophets. He expounded unto them in the scriptures all the things concerning himself. He preached himself to them. He showed, he revealed himself in the Old Testament. And then those two disciples said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us, by the way? Well, he told us about himself. He opened the scriptures to them, beloved. And we know that spiritual understanding of the scriptures, of who God really is, of what Christ came to do, and, and what we really are, only comes to the heart and mind of God's chosen blood-bought children by divine revelation. Otherwise, we don't, we don't know the truth. We don't even desire to hear it. We turn away from it. 
But God, under the preaching of his glorious gospel, reveals Christ to us. And now we have not received the spirit of the world, have we? No. But the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, and that's preaching, not in words which, which man's wisdom teaches, but, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. Natural man won't receive the truth. I know I was there. Just look back in your life. There was a time when we, we, we recoiled when the truth was told to us. There was a time when I did. Matt, you and I have talked about that. We didn't want to hear it. Matter of fact, we wanted to get as far away as we possibly could. Now we love it. We love the gospel. We love the hearing the word preached and proclaimed. Because we're born again of the Holy Spirit of God. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Now let's start reading verses 9 to 13 in Genesis 40, 41 with that in our mind. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. So he's recalling when he was cast into prison. And we dreamed a dream in one night, and I and he, and we dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was with us a young man, an Hebrew servant, to the captain of the guard, and we told him. And now notice that he's a, he's a Hebrew servant to the captain of the guard. So that's Potiphar, we know, from our studies. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams, each to each man, According to his dream, did he interpret? And it came to pass as he interpreted to us. So it was, me, me, he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. So in verse 9, the chief butler in Pharaoh's presence, after the magicians and wise men could not interpret his dreams, maybe he said this to gain favor with the king. We don't know. It doesn't say that, but we don't know. He might have did it. And he brings forth what he remembered. He remembered, and, and, and maybe it came to his remembrance again because he saw Pharaoh's anger towards the wise men and might have brought up back to remembrance Pharaoh's anger with him at one time and when he was cast into prison. And when he says here, then, then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. He's not speaking of the fault of ignoring Joseph. Joseph's request to mention him before Pharaoh, he's remembering again the faults that caused him to be cast into prison. He's remembering those faults. The thing that caused Pharaoh to be wroth with him. So never lose sight of the fact that as we go through the study and the study on the life of Joseph, never, never lose sight of who's in control of all these events. Whether one believes it or not, God is absolutely sovereign. He's absolutely sovereign. He's sovereign over all. And our God always works things out according to the counsel of his will for his glory. So it's God who sent these dreams to Pharaoh. It's God who withheld the meaning, the interpretation of these dreams, which Pharaoh was troubled with. It was God who withheld those meanings 
from the wise men and the magicians. And they were dumbfounded and blind to the interpretation of Pharaoh's dream. Both his dreams. And it was God by his sovereign will who arranged for the chief butler to be at Pharaoh's side at that exact time. (laughs) And to be remembering when he was cast into prison. All this again is orchestrated by our great God. And it's God who's going to allow Joseph to interpret the dreams. It's God who's going to give him that knowledge. So all this was occurring, all this was purposed, and all this was orchestrated by our great sovereign God. All of it. All to exalt Joseph to his throne of power over all of Egypt. Let's now read verses 14 and 15, and we'll see God's will being worked out as the king, Pharaoh, is but an instrument in God's hands to make his will come to pass. Remember, the Lord said in Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 and 14, he says this, and he said unto Abraham, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them 400 years. So that has to come to pass, right? And we know that's, that's, that's Israel being in Egypt. This is the beginning of that. And we'll see later on that Israel comes down with his children to Egypt, to the exact place where God had told them they would be. And he says, and they shall afflict them 400 years. And, and also that nation whom they serve will I judge, and afterward shall they come out with great substance. We know that happened. They spoiled Egypt. They spoiled Egypt when they came out of Egypt. And that's, if you want to look at that for reference, that's Genesis chapter 15, verses 13 and 14. So we see later on in this study that Israel and his family go down into Egypt, where they will be until they're delivered by the hand of God. And Moses leads them out out of the promised land, or into the promised land. And God will judge Egypt, and, and they end up spoiling all of Egypt. And never forget this too, Egypt is a picture of the world in Scripture. And we've all come out of the world. And I, and I was thinking about this. It says they're spoiled. And, and, and they came out with great substance. We came out of the world. I was thinking about this this week. We came out of the world. Do you know we have great substance? It just hit me. This. I was thinking, wow. Because we have all spiritual blessings in Christ. We have great substance, beloved. We're rich in Christ. That's what we always say, hey. We may, we may not have a lot here on this earth, but... We're, we're richer than the richest man in this world, in Christ. We have great substance in him. In him. Only in Christ. It's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Let's read verses 14 to 16. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they bought him, out. They bought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his remnant, and he came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Pharaoh answered. Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, it is, not, it is not in me God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So we see in verse 14 that Pharaoh sent and called for Joseph. And he did so because he's still troubled in the spirit. He's got no interpretation of this dream. 
He wanted to know what these dreams meant. And none of his wise men could interpret them. None of them. So when Pharaoh heard the chief baker speak about Joseph and how his interpretation of his dream came to pass, and how the chief baker's interpretation, when Joseph interpreted his dream, how that came to pass, exactly as how Joseph interpreted them, well, what does Pharaoh do? He sends an urgent call. He sends an urgent call to bring Joseph before him again. Always remember that all this is being orchestrated by our great God. All by his hand, beloved. Joseph's sitting in prison. And now he's going to be called to be in the presence of the king? In the presence of the man who rules over all of Egypt? And we can see from the text that this was an urgent call, which means hastily in the Hebrew. It means to run in the Hebrew. It doesn't mean they were, they were like, well, just get them in a week or so. It doesn't mean that. In the, Greek, it, or in the Hebrew, it literally means to run. They want, he wanted him there fast, as fast as possible. And it says Joseph shaved and changed his remnant and he couldn't appear before Pharaoh, who's the king, in the clothes that he wore in the dungeon, could he? No. No. And these clothes, I like what one commentator said, these clothes were probably provided by the captain of the guard or maybe even Potiphar himself. We don't know. <laughs> and then we see in the text, when Joseph stood before him, Joseph, Pharaoh told Joseph he had a dream. And there was none that who could interpret it. And he let Joseph know that his, his reputation preceded him. Look at that. Look in verse 15. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand the dream to interpret it. So uh, he's, you notice that, he's, he's saying, well, your reputation has, has preceded you. And take note, take note that Joseph was quick to take the attention away from himself. Isn't that wonderful? He didn't say, yeah, you know, I, I did interpret those two dreams of those guys. And yeah, I told them and they came past just exactly as I said. The key word there being I. He didn't say that, did he? No. No. He knows he knows who, who gets the glory. He knows. He knows who all the glory goes to. And he's quick to take the attention away from himself and draw his attention, draw the attention to God. Look at verse 16. Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. He turns it right around. Glorify God. Don't. That's why you hear us preachers say, Don't look to us. We're, look, look. Look to Christ and Christ alone. Look to him. That's who we're to look to. We look to men. Men are going to disappoint us constantly. That's the way it is. Because we're sinful. I'm, I'm just a saved sinner. You're just a saved sinner if you love Christ. Right? But I love, how, I love how quickly Joseph just gives the glory to God. Turns it right around. That's how it should be. You ever hear people boasting about how, how they, 
they prayed a prayer, or they did this, and they did that. And I, 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 I've said this many times. I, I dislike it when people say, I got saved. I, I just do not like that at all. The Lord saved me. The Lord saved my soul. He did it all. And he gets the glory for it. There's a big difference. And the Lord did it all. I was running the other way. And then I got into religion. And I became a real religious guy. I became a big Pharisee. Vicky Old Testament. I was a huge Pharisee. Thinking I was better than everybody else. You know that holier than now that, that often gets thrown around? I became one of those guys. But then God by his grace saved my soul. He did it all. The Lord saved me. Took me out of the horrible pit I was in. I know he did the same for you who were born again. He's the one who he's the one who sought us out. Oh my. Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It's not me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. So always give the glory to God. Give him all the glory. We'll conclude here because our time is pretty well done now. But take note of the humble spirit of Joseph. Again, that's brought forth here in verse 16. He's real humble. He's not proud. Ah, pride's a killer. Pride seeps in. It's a killer. He's not a proud guy. No. And remember, you who are the redeemed of the Lord, that it is the exalted Christ of God, it's he who calls us out of darkness. If he hadn't called us out of darkness, we'd still be in it. We'd still be in it. But he calls us out of darkness under the preaching of his gospel. And then it's he who equips his preachers and, and gives us spiritual understanding of Christ and his glorious gospel and the gift of preaching his gospel. And it's he who sends us out to our appointed places. It's he who does all that. And for the very purpose, what? To preach Christ and him crucified. That's what we do. And in every one of God's born-again, blood-washed people, we quickly learn that we have nothing to glory in, in ourselves. Absolutely nothing to glory in in ourselves. Nothing. But we glory in the Lord Jesus Christ. We glory in him alone. He's our blessed Savior. He's our Redeemer. And we're quick, to echo, we're quick to echo the words of Joseph here in the matter of salvation. It's not in me. Right? It's not in me. I can't save myself, and neither can you. But I preach one who can save all who come to him. And I know those who come to him are drawn, drawn to him. Oh, it's wonderful. It's a glorious gospel. And we cry out like the psalmist does, with a sincere cry of praise and thanksgiving. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. And we have been taught, we who are God's born-again, blood-washed people, we've been taught and we know that salvation is of the Lord. And we say, glory be to God. Glory be to God. Heavenly Father, thank you again for allowing us to gather together, allowing us to be here. Oh, we pray, Lord, that our hearts would be comforted, we who are your people, as we look in the scriptures and we see how thy sovereign hand orchestrates all things in Joseph's life and know that you do the same for each one of your sheep. Guide us and direct us and keep us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that if there's any who do not know you here or who will listen, oh Lord, that you grant them faith and repentance to believe on thee, Lord, that you draw them to you just as you've drawn every one of us who are your people. Glory to your name, honor and praise for the fact that you've taken us out of darkness and brought us into the glorious light of thy, thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.